Episode 70 of The Passive Hang. And I have Ilya Bartolini, who is a flexibility and handstand coach coming from Rome, Italy. And this is a guy who is really into his flexibility. He has even written a few books on it. And every time I watch one of his videos, it's delivered with a sense of consideration and high quality depth of information which I really encourage you guys to go and check out you know he has an Instagram and also on his YouTube where he gets into very in-depth detail into how to use that particular tool for your flexibility development in this chat we get to hear where Ellie has come from who's inspired him and then we get really deep onto his take and some approaches on the middle split you guys are going to enjoy this one we're going to get started. I have Coach Ilya, uh, the flexibility guy from Instagram, on the podcast, Hello, on the Passive Hang. Welcome all the way from sunny Rome. We're connected. I'm over here in cold, dark winter Melbourne in the night. And uh, really pleased to connect with you because I, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed um, a lot of your content that, that you post, you know, long time sort of lurker or fan. And I must say, most recently, very much enjoying your TikTok takedowns. So that's where I want to start. You know, where did this idea come from and wh where do you hunt for this material? I'm assuming it's everywhere, but, you know, where's your favorite places? <laughs> Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I appreciate the, um, yeah, like uh, the, the, the YouTube content and all the things that you've, you've been doing. Also, the Positive Hand podcast. I'm a listener, so I really enjoy the content and the interviews and all the stuff, all the content you've been putting in that. And uh, yeah, about the TikTok video. So uh, the story goes like this. It was like a, a sunny day. One of my friends said to me, uh, Elia, do you have a TikTok? And I said, no, I, I don't know what it is. And uh, he showed me some kind of uh, um, the, the app and how it works, etc. And, um, and, and I told him, like, uh, is this something that might be useful for me? Like, you know, I'm a, I do want to, like, uh, my, my opinion, I do want to kind of create something that gives people something all right so mm. uh, a piece of content or a tip or something like that uh, and he said to me i don't know like like let's check it out what do you do like uh, online uh, and i said like uh, i don't know i um i give tips about the splits i teach the splits i teach handstands i teach uh, like a body weight training etc and so we typed in in the research bottom uh, splits training all right and uh, there was a video and I said, and I said, all right, like, like, let's open one video. Let, yeah. let, let's see what people are doing on, on this uh, on this app. Mm -hmm. And it was like a video about a girl who was doing like a, a tutorial. Yeah, you know, a tutorial. It, it, it's kind of a, uh, it's hard to say that this uh, that that was a tutorial because it was like a one. Oh, I think it's also less than one minute, like thirty seconds. You know, uh, learn your splits in. Uh, four days, something like two days, <laughs> a couple of days, I don't know, a couple of days or just two full days uh, with these exercises. And she was a gymnast, you know, she, she was really, really flexible. Mm. And so she showed like, a, I don't know, maybe a couple of exercises, like a lunge, uh, uh, an hamstring stretch, 
really basic, you know? And, and then do this, do that, and you got the splits. And I said, is this the content I can find on, on TikTok? I, I, I can't <laughs> believe it. So I, I have to make it like a, a reaction because, you know, like people like me, uh, all my YouTube videos, they are like, I don't know, 10 minutes long. Uh, I got a video course. It's like uh, five hours long. I've written a book about the splits. It took me, I don't know, five months. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, so all uh, because I do want to give quality information to people. And then I open TikTok and I see a girl with one million likes. I, I mean, one million <laughs> likes. It's kind of like I would pay, I, I don't know how much money just to have that kind of visibility, that kind mm. of, a, it's, it's not for the likes. It's just because my message can change people's lives, can change mm. someone's like a type of training, etc. Uh, and that girl said, yeah, you can learn the splits in a couple of days with these two exercises. And I was totally out of my mind. I was like, uh, like I can't believe it. I can't believe this. I can't believe that this is happening. And so I started like uh, making some kind of a reactions, etc., just to the videos. I, I like uh, so some days I, I'm just bored, you know. I open TikTok and I like uh, I type uh, like a keyword on the research bar, mm. and uh, maybe some days I type handstands, and I do want to see what people are doing about handstands. And there's a tutorial about that, of course. Thirty seconds, just stay against the wall, leave the wall, mm -hmm. and you are there. Like, is that a tutorial? Uh, like, uh, no, but uh, these people here, I don't know why they're getting so much visibility, so much, like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, so much audience, which is listening to them. Uh, yeah, I don't know why, but that's the story. That's like a long story, uh, to make a long story short. Yeah, well, I mean, you touched on some really good points there. And, you know, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you to actually talk about flexibility in, in detail. And, you know, before we get into more like flexibility methods, principles, all that sort of stuff, you know, just personally for yourself, when did you when did you get serious about flexibility training? You know, was there a point at some point where you're just like, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm going to commit to this. Yeah. So uh, when I first started training, like uh, ever in my life, it was after I broke up with my girlfriend and I was like a six, mm -hmm. 16 years old. And I went to the gym. Uh, in the gym, there was that kind of a culture where if you can't touch your hands behind your back, if you can't touch your toes, you're the big bro. You know, you are the best in the gym because yeah you, you are big you are you're strong you, you can't touch your toes you can't touch your hands that's amazing because you have so much muscles that you can't mm. do that uh, like uh, i don't know like in the gym there's kind of that myth that the stiffer you are the bigger and the stronger you are all right mm. um and i kind of grew up with that kind of idea for some years until uh i was watching the television and i was with another girlfriend but like uh, that's another story and uh mm, i was watching the uh jean-claude Van Damme movie and uh like uh, there was this scene where his friend entered in the room and jean-claude was between two chairs in a suspended side split and i thought to myself this is one of the most, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, 18, something like that, or two years later, I started. 
uh, and I thought to myself, I really want to, that was the first time I seriously kind of thought about, I, I really do want to achieve that. But you know, like well, when you are like uh, that, like I was young, I was young, but I, I'm also young now, but uh, uh, it, it, it's kind of a, when you want to reach the splits, people think about, yeah, you got to do that since you were a baby, like, uh, or like uh, yeah. when you are, you know, when you are 10, 12, I don't know. If you are 18, for example, people just uh, like uh, think, oh, I'm too late for that. I'm too late. I can't do that because I'm too old, right? even though you're not old. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you think about maybe these things are, all, are more for people who are in the youngest ages. So uh, that was the first time. But uh, after it took me one year just to get started because then I started training for uh, calisthenics. So more about the skills, body weight training, all the all, all those kind of things, and in that kind of a, a discipline, it, it was like a different from the body uh, from the bodybuilding uh, experience because in bodybuilding you just care about the muscles, you just care about your aesthetics, and in calisthenics you also care about more maybe you do want to look nicer, you do want to do the skills, and you do want to look good, and to look good you need flexibility. Mm -hmm. So. In that moment, I, I realized that I, I needed more flexibility, definitely, on my lower body. Because on my upper body, I've been struggling with a uh, laxity problem on my shoulders. My shoulders are dislocated, both the shoulders. I, okay. I, I didn't have an, um, a surgery at the time, and I still haven't been, um, haven't been considered uh, having a surgery on my shoulders. But my shoulders are uh, a, a kind of a problem, which are... Uh, which is um, the laxity of the shoulder joint. But uh, my lower body, uh, yeah, I was zero. I started from zero. Like I was, I don't know, uh, 50, 50 centimeters away from the floor in the, yeah. in the side split and uh, in the front split. I, I never measured actually because, yeah, you know, like uh, my first goal was the Van Damme split. I just wanted to do the split like uh, Jean-Claude. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I was 19, maybe I started training for the splits. Uh, and I, when I started, I took a coach. Like, because I, like, I wasn't aware of all the methods, all the kind of uh, exercises. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, like, uh, for one month, maybe, I just tried to stay there just to widen my legs. But, it, like, mm. it, wasn't, it wasn't making any sense, just to be honest. Like, I'm not that kind of person who, like, uh, who does the thing, who does some things randomly. I, I, I just want to know what I'm doing. And if I can't figure it out, because I know that looking for information on YouTube, it's kind of a um, winning, and, winning and losing situation because you can win something, but you can lose something else. So mm. uh, I really needed some kind of guidance, some more precise guidance. So I started uh, taking flexibility classes with a coach. And uh, I kind of uh, went to some workshops, some seminars, or some kind of things. And I also purchased some books, some kind of, uh, um, mm -hmm. yeah, flexibility books. The one, uh, yeah, here's Australian. It's Kit Laughlin. I don't know yep. if you know. Stretching and flexibility. Yeah, yeah that Classic. one was a good one. That, was, that one was a good one mm -hmm. for me. So I started looking for information. At the time, there the was like it was 
yeah, maybe 10 years ago. So it, there wasn't so much material online. Also, the online community mm-hmm. wasn't that big. So the, there wasn't, there weren't any podcasts. There, were, there weren't any kind of a YouTube videos, big YouTube videos, big YouTube channels about flexibility. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure it out myself with a coach here in Italy and uh, with the books and with the seminars, with the workshops. Uh, and I started like that. And uh, one thing that, my opinion just played a very big role is that in the past, like before starting my, I started my flexibility journey, I was really passionate about the biomechanics of the body, of the mm-hmm. human body. So how the joints move, how the muscles move, what are the muscles in the body, what they do. These type of things, just really simple, but just the understanding of what the human body does biomechanically so how the joints move how the bones move how the muscles move when they contract when they stretch so i was I, I like a, i was aware of the kind of situation biomechanically speaking so it's it, it just like a, when i started uh, learning the flexibility part i kind of joined the two uh, kind of aspects just of the biomechanical thing i kind of took all the information i knew about that and i applied it to the uh, flexibility context in this mm. case and it like a just in like a in some months as i was learning the methods as i was uh, as i was learning the exercises the drills etc everything was making sense because yeah you know if you know that you have to go into a side split if you analyze the position of a side split what do you have there you have hip abduction you have a stretch in the adductors, you have a stretch in the hamstrings, you have a stretch in the hip stabilizers, you have a stretch mm-hmm. here, that, that. So thanks to the biomechanical uh, biomechanical uh, knowledge I had at the time, uh, right, I soon figured out why I was making those exercises there, how to stay in the position, what was the correct technique, also biomechanical speaking, because, yeah, you know, why have you got to, uh, for example, anterior tilt in a side split? Like, I was aware of that kind of a hip impeachment, because if you posterior mm-hmm. tilt in a side split, so you close your back, you kind of uh, flatten your lower back, your femur just, like, has a bad time sliding through the hip. But if you open the hip, so if you anterior tilt, your femur can pass through the hips, can slide through the hip. And uh, I knew that not because I started, but because I was aware of that kind of a, a biomechanical law, biomechanical uh, um, reasoning before I started training flexibility. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then I started, like, you know, it's been a hell of a journey, especially for my size split. It took me. Yeah, I think four, four years and a half, maybe five years also, to, to, just to stay comfortable, like in line with my hips, in line with my feet, you know, uh, in a good, at least a good side split. The front split took me kind of a way less time to master, uh, maybe one a year and a half, two years to master the front split. And then, you know, like uh, when I, I, like, uh, I had the fortune to meet people who kind of, uh, uh, told me what to do and what exercises to do. So mm-hmm. they told me, all right, Elia, you got to do the splits because if you do the splits, you can gain flexibility also in many other areas, in many other contexts. So for, for example, the pancake stretch, 
pancake stretch, it's, it, it's a very good stretching position. But if you have hamstring flexibility, adductors flexibility, which the, the side split and the front split can give you, then you'll have much like an easier time achieving the pancake stretch. And that was, the, and that was true for me. Also, Kit Laughlin in his classes in the, in the book, like a, you can find a lot of split stretches throughout the lower body uh, classes. And thanks to that, you can also work on your pancake flexibility, on your pike flexibility, on all the lower body positions, not like a really directly just obsessing out about that kind of a stretching position, but by taking different exercises, different techniques, mm -hmm. all uh, put together by a, a really simple concept, which is we want to biologi uh, biologically, not biologically, biomechanically improve this range of motion. So we do want to start from the biomechanics. We do want to uh, increase the range of motion, this range of motion, and this range of motion. And then we want to put everything together and achieve the pancake stretch. And if you work on the ranges of motions, uh, like a specifically at first, and then you put everything together and you try the stretching position, it's much easier to do. Mm. Hmm. that's that's the kind of idea yeah so it sounds like you know you got really like deeply interested into this whole topic as well like um say so, i mean did you already have this vision that you're going to become like a flexibility coach and do all this stuff or like because you know 18 19 i'm guessing maybe you were considering or you were at university as well were you also studying this like formally at university or you're doing something completely different Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the story is long. Like uh, I started as a, yeah, like, a, let's have, like a, since the beginning, like uh, when I, uh, I graduated at school and I took a job like in, in an office. All right. So I was like a, more like a tech guy, a tech guy, an economy guy. I was starting to become a, an investor, a trader. All right. Mm -hmm. The, I don't know, maybe. Maybe if I didn't, like, if I hadn't become like a flexibility guy, I could make like the, those video courses to uh, buy and sell cryptocurrencies nowadays. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you, uh, you still would have been a YouTube guy, but you know, just uh, it would have been like the crypto guy instead of the flexibility the crypt guy. <laughs> <laughs> the crypto guy, but maybe like uh, in an alternative future, like a what if, like the Marvel series, what if like uh, Leo didn't take that, that road? <laughs> But uh, yeah, the road was the uh, the road was different. The story is different. So I was like studying about that. But uh, here in Italy, there's a there's a big, a really big community, a really big uh, website about uh, so, like a, a lot of types of training, bodyweight training, barbell training, powerlifting, mm -hmm. weightlifting. So there was that site, and uh, they were looking for people who could write some articles on the website. So I said, like, like training for me was really a passion, a, a very good passion of mine, but I mm. never considered like making it work like a, as my job, you know? But uh, I said, why not? Why, why shouldn't I? Like, I, I love writing and you can tell that because I've written two, uh, three books now. So I, mm. I, like uh, writing is just one of my biggest passions. And uh, so I said, why not? Why shouldn't I uh, write an article for them? And I sent that article to them and they liked it. And so they published that article on their website, which is a huge website here in Italy. And I got a lot of traction from that article. And uh, much like a joke, uh, I started like giving people tips 
not about like a, yeah, it was something like, uh, yeah, what should I do here? Like we had a conversation, etc. So I started making connections with people. And soon I realized like uh, this can be a job because like uh, if when you have a lot of connections, when you have a lot of people asking you that, Mm-hmm. And uh, when you are passionate about that, and it's like, uh, uh, even when I'm, uh, I'm talking to you here and just feeling like that kind of passion, that kind of, uh, uh, yeah, I do want to uh, drive a message that you want to have. Uh, it's not about helping. It's about like sharing, sharing the knowledge, sharing the passion, sharing the information, etc. cetera. Uh, and I do love this. And I love that also in the past. So I was like in, in an office. And rather than doing my job, I was talking with people about, uh, I don't know, uh, how, how many sets you could do uh, in your bench press, how to improve your speed. <laughs> like, it was amazing, but I wasn't doing my job. Like, I was there, just an accountant, uh, to be an accountant, and I wasn't an accountant because I was, like, uh, chatting with people, reacting to their messages. I was writing the articles for the website, and soon I was, uh, I started like also making um, online uh, programs, all right? Mm-hmm. But in, uh, at the beginning, like uh, that was the beginning, I wasn't training flexible. Uh, like uh, I was in the beginning, like uh, as I said uh, before, as I told you before, I was at the beginning of my journey. Like I, uh, like it was the time where when I I watched the movie with Jean-Claude. So it, it, was, it was more like a thought, but I was training calisthenics. I was training uh, bodybuilding, et cetera. So that was my area. So I started in that area, all right? Okay. And I, thanks to that, I kind of started to understand how to help people achieve their goals, how to make online programs, how to make connections, how to write articles, how to create content, create something that uh, might help people, might help us spread information uh, as, at, its best, at its best. So that was the beginning. And uh, after a couple of years, I kind of, uh, yeah, it, it was like, think about that. Like something that is changing, but it's not really changing. It's it's mm. always coaching. It's always coaching. It's the same, but the topic about the coaching is different. Because when I started, I was like a mix, uh, um, and a hybrid between a bodybuilding coach and a calisthenics coach. Then I got uh, then I got all in into calisthenics. So mm-hmm. I was helping people train calisthenics uh, in a calisthenics environment. I know, like a. Uh, uh, uh it, it may sound like a completely strange because nowadays like people know me like uh, as the flexibility guy but that's because like uh, i created the instagram account and all the accounts connected to that because i uh, kind of ch- like chose that direction in the past but that was like a uh, a decision i made but uh, before that because before all that happened i was a calisthenics coach but it, it it's been always about coaching, all right? And mm-hmm. uh, so calisthenics coach, and then slowly into um, flexibility, and slowly into handstands, and now handstands and flexibility. So it's been like uh, the coaching is like has always been like something I, uh, I I liked it to do. I like to do. I, I've been loving to do also right now. But uh, the topic about the coaching, the way I shared information cha- has been changing throughout the years, all right? So I started like a, uh, as a bodybuilding, calisthenics, then calisthenics, then flexibility, then handstands, and then handstands and flexibility. That, that, that was the road. And also right now, maybe 
I got a, a still um, some people asking me for bodyweight training advice, but uh, I'm not into the cal really calisthenics, specific calisthenics stuff, specific like uh, about the skills, about the all the kind of uh, calisthenics skills, etc. I don't do that anymore. Um, I do more like, uh, yeah, you know, general bodyweight strength approach. And I'm more focused about flexibility all around, so upper body, lower body, uh, every kind of flexibility um, kind of request people may have. And handstands, of course, from the really basics to the one-arm handstands. That, that's, yeah. the, that, that's, the, that's the idea. But uh, yeah, it's been a long road. It's been a long road, but uh, I've been enjoying that. And when I, uh, like, uh, the story of the flexibility guy is completely a, a different story. But, uh, like, uh, I was young. Like, when I was, when I was like, 18, 19, like, uh, I wasn't aware of the kind of, yeah, you know, personal branding, personal kind of uh, message you do want to share. I was just following the flow. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. people... Uh, People are asking me questions. People are asking me programs. I'm, I, I want to do that, and that's it. That's my job. I wasn't like uh, clear about my my personality, you know. And I think that's 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 okay because you're young, because you you, you want to find your road, you do want to find your path, etc. And you want to experiment with different things. And in those years, I've I had been experimenting with a, a lot of uh, kind of uh, techniques, a lot of uh, trainings calisthenics, flexibility, handstands, <laughs> etc. to say what really was my passion, you know? Mm. And I finally, in 2017, when I entered in the London School of Imbalance, uh, at the time, I, yeah, I made a choice. Like I said, all right, I do, I do like it. I do like this. I do like flexibility. I do like handstands. I want to be uh, someone who, like, share information about this, and I do want to pursue with mm -hmm. all my strength, with all my, with all my time, this kind of goal. And uh, since then, I've been like uh, training for the one-arm handstands, for mm -hmm. the uh, handstand part, and of course for the splits, for the uh, upper body flexibility, for the flexibility part. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like you've achieved, you know, some of those goals, like, you know, that, that Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme split and the one-arm handstand, you know, you've got some beautiful lines with all your handstanding work as well that I, I really admire. But what what are your goals now with flexibility since, you know, you, you've got those positions? How are you still pushing forward for, for yourself? Oh, yeah. So for flexibility, I would love to reach the same positions actively. So which means like, for example, in a front split, uh, I would love to achieve a front split, but an active front split. So you have mm -hmm. one foot on the floor, the other leg, all the way up into an active front split. And mm -hmm. for the side split, I would love to achieve the um, the, Van, uh, the Van Damme split because I do have a side split on the floor with my hips on the floor, etc. But uh, as soon as I apply pressure on my adductors, my legs are too weak right now. So mm -hmm. I can't do that. And uh, I would love to achieve the suspended, kind of suspended side split. But uh, for the side split, it's... Yeah, it's kind of difficult to say because I do feel pain sometimes in my hips because I do uh, think that my hips are not that really, um, uh, yeah, you know, they're good, but they don't like the side split so much. So I feel that inside the hip, there's a lot of, mm, yeah, you know, 
it's not about the muscles. It's more about the joints. I feel mm -hmm. like the joints really don't like sleep position. You know, you know a lot of people have different uh, acetabula um, like um, structure. So yep. their hip and their femur are just built differently. Some people have more space inside the hip joint. Mm -hmm. Some people have less and some people have, and, uh, have nothing inside the hip. So those people like the hip impeachment problem, they can't go into a size split because their hip is just, is just like that. There's no way they can do the size split. But that's genetics, you know? And I do feel, I, I don't know for sure, but I do feel that the size split isn't that comfortable still right now. I mm. can do that passively. I can go there, but I feel inside the joint that mm, the joint is not really enjoying that position. The frosted is much feels much more uh, feels much nicer, much more controlled, and I don't feel inside the uh, inside the joints kind of a, uh, the joint kind of a, that pressure, that kind of uncomfortable uh, sensation. But uh, generally speaking. Yeah, these two are my goals. About the one arm, yeah, uh, yeah. Here I must say why I am the flexibility guy and not like uh, something else because handstands uh, have been some kind of a love and hate relationship for me because okay. uh, like I'm that kind of person who likes handstands, but uh, I realized in the past that I was too much into handstands. There were something like uh, yeah. Uh, I want to do handstands. I want to be good. And that was my life. Like if I had a bad day, it was a bad life. And if <laughs> I had a good day, it was a good life. Yep. But uh, I realized that that wasn't the right approach. That mm. wasn't a math approach. And since I have those shoulders problems, the laxity problems, I realized that, all, all right, Elia, maybe in the future, you don't know about the future. You can't know about the future, but maybe in the future... You're gonna be. Um, you're gonna. You'll need. Sorry, to fix that shoulder problem. Maybe have a, sh a surgery, and maybe you won't be able to do handstands anymore. So your life can't be uh, all about handstands. You have to find something else. So handstands should be something that, of course, brings something into your life. Of course, I do love handstands because it's kind of a meditation for me. Mm -hmm. they, make you, uh, they make you stay present. They make you stay focused on something, which is something that nowadays is more and more difficult. So they give me, they give me the opportunity to be really focused on something, to live the present moment, etc. So I love them. But they can't be my whole life or the reason why I'm happy, the reason why I'm sad, the reason why I feel that I'm succeeding in something, etc. And so I kind of took Hanshin's away from, all right, this is my life, all right, this is my hobby. Mm -hmm. And I want to create something that uh, is more like uh, I can do. I, uh, I, I can do Hanshin's and I can do flexibility. I can do both. But uh, the flexibility guy is more about because, yeah, you know, when you teach Hanshin's, you do want to teach flexibility also because it's a really yeah. important part of the Hanshin's. And, uh, of course, the splits are my biggest passion. So uh, I started also Hanshin's, like I discovered Hanshin's because I was into flexibility training. And thanks to that, I discovered also Hanshin's. So I said, yeah, the flexibility guy is kind of a more like a, 
something I can live with and that can give me the opportunity and the kind of joy to produce content and to feel satisfied about my content without relying only on handshakes. And also because the flexibility guy sounds way nicer than the handshakes guy because, yeah, <laughs> it was like a, more like a, a sound also, uh, a sound uh, uh, a sound thing so I, I think that the flexibility guy is much cooler so yeah I said why not uh, handshakes mm -hmm. are my hobby uh, I do enjoy doing them still right now but uh, I don't have something like I do want to be uh, a top level hand balancer or, or something yeah, no I do want to do handshakes because, because I enjoy them because I do love doing them I do love the challenges I do want to improve but I'm not about yeah I'm a uh, like a top level hand balancer. I love teaching yeah. handshakes. I love doing handshakes. It's my passion. It's something I study. It's something I, uh, I like. Uh, uh, I invest a lot of time into. So I know my things. I know the things I'm doing. I know the things I'm teaching, etc. But uh, my personal, like, um, you know, uh, career is more about the flexibility guy. Yeah. That's the. Yeah, you touch on a, a good point there as well with the whole uh, role of training within your life, right? When it's sort of sometimes you can get uh, like too into it as well and it be it becomes your life versus um, sort of becoming this, uh, this part which helps support your life, right? And I think with sometimes, uh, yeah, when you get deep into like the the, the practice yeah. mindset as well, it can really start taking you over, which you have to, um, especially with handstands sometimes, because, you know, the balance, you, you never know sometimes if it's going to come to you good or if it's going to come to you bad that day. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Exactly, exactly. That's that's a very good point. Yeah, you know, like uh, handstands are, in my opinion, one of the most difficult things you can uh, learn, like a, like a, like nowadays, I've been teaching to uh, hundreds of people from all around the world, and I still do that, like also in person right here where I live. And uh, every day I meet people which are, it's a really beginning of their journey. And I still remember the first time I actually tried to learn a handstand. And uh, if I put my head into that, I realized how much effort, how much pressure, how much like emotional pain and uh, like personal discomfort I, uh, I've, I've been feeling for the whole time. Like also right now, maybe, yeah, you know, thanks to Instagram and thanks to all the social media we have right now, you can say a lot of people succeeding in their journeys. I can say a lot of people like me, my age, my the same experience I got, maybe even less, maybe... They've been training, I don't know, for three months and they're better than me. And I, like, I think to myself, well, how is that possible? And handstands are really, really, really difficult as a skill because there's an entry level, like uh, if you want to mm, hold the handstand, go there and be consistent with that. You have to put in a lot of time and maybe years will mm -hmm. pass you can do that and that is not true for any other discipline on the planet just uh, think about I, I don't know maybe some disciplines of course of course some disciplines yes but uh, think about another discipline where the easiest thing you can do which is a handstand all right on two arms where you hold the balance that's your goal so like, like you you start by saying all right i do want to perform a handstand in the middle of a room think about another discipline where 
that goal, which is the first goal, is that far from you if you start from zero? Mm. Like, uh, it's difficult because, uh, you know, like, because there are a lot of, like, disciplines, but uh, the goal is much closer. You can start mm. from somewhere, but uh, in essence, uh, it, it's tricky. It's tricky because yeah. it's difficult. And, and it's that difficult, and it remains that difficult throughout the entire journey because after the few amazons, what do you want to do? Uh, all right, I want to learn this. All right, another pain in the ass. All right, <laughs> again, again, again. I do want to start again and then again and then again. So it's yeah, it's it's hard and it depends on the type of person. You know, I've been meeting I've been meeting a lot of different head balances and different people from all around the world. And it really depends on the type of person you are also, because when you want to learn something that difficult, I mean, I'm, yeah, maybe I'm exaggerating a, a bit. It's not that kind of a, yeah, you know, it's like uh, that difficult. It, it's, it, it has a good amount of um, challenge in it. All right. Mm -hmm. A good amount, let's say a good amount. So when you do want to do something like that, it really depends on, how you take that challenge and how you be uh, how you feel that challenge for you like uh, are you that kind of person who take the challenge and just give up when you don't have maybe the motivation to push through mm -hmm. or are you the type of person who takes that challenge and just make it a way of living a, a way of life that like uh, all right i have that challenge there i do want to reach that i do want to reach that no matter what I'm going to go there. Uh, so here, it's also about who you are, which dictates how you view Hansen and the entire practice uh, as a whole. Like I know some of my friends, maybe we started um, in the London School of Imbalance in 2017 uh, together. Now they're not doing Hansen anymore. And mm. Hansen are still one of the biggest parts of my life. Why? Because when I take a challenge, I think about, all right, I do want to take this challenge and I'm going to do everything I, I, uh, I can to achieve that. But that's like, that's about me. It has its pros and cons. For example, my friends now have a family. I don't have a family. I have mm. like, a, I don't have like a, I, I don't have many other things. Maybe I like, I'm still pushing through the uh, handstand thing. I'm believing in that. But maybe that kind of that comes with a price, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I, I like I'm a, I'm a person who believes in that. And as I said, it was so deep into my life that it be kind of as I realized that it was like taking my life. All right. Then I stopped and I said, all right, I got to. Uh, like uh, create a distance from what I am and what I am doing. Mm -hmm. And that's something that happened to me, but that's just my story. You know, I don't want to say that people have to do this. People have to do that. that that's my story. What we're talking about, what happened to me, but uh, yeah, you know, we are all different. We can view our, um, our practice, our goals, our achievements, our journeys in a different way. I'm just sharing what happened to me and maybe this can help people from all around the world to uh, have a better understanding of who they are or what the practice like the practice is 
just it's just not about handshakes. Maybe about a lot of things, handshakes, bodyweight training, whatever kind of thing you are trying to reach. Mm. That, that that's my experience. Uh, we all have different. Yeah, a lot of it is just um, about finding out more about yourself. Um, and so, yeah, I did want to jump over now to like flexibility um and you know one place i was looking at was you know from your website you you state that you like to blend traditional methods versus modern methods uh, of flexibility development and yeah i kind of wanted to get you to expand on what you view as what's traditional versus what's a modern method of flexibility uh develop uh, like technique or, or method yeah yeah so it makes sense so uh here more like a, from a specific point of view, what, what, what does it mean? So we got uh, traditional methods, which are the, method, the methods which the scientific research and that the, like, you know, the usual coaches suggest, which means passive stretching, just going into the positions, trying to achieve a greater range of motion, these are the traditional methods so the easy things the simple things the things that also scientific research for example when you i don't know if you've been looking for um maybe some papers or some some kind of scientific research on flexibility you can't find a lot for example on i don't know loaded stretching so stretching with the weight or uh, i don't know um Overcoming isometrics, which is kind of active stretching when you are in a in a stretching position, or uh, I don't know, even about the PNF, we have some kind of scientific research, but not too much. We have a lot about static stretching, for example. Why? Because a lot of people like the traditional way to stretch for people is like it all starts from that, like from that method from just stretching, you know, mm. stretching. What, what does stretching means? It means going into a position where the origin of a muscle separates from its insertion. That's it. That, that's the basic principle about that. We do want to improve that. We do want to improve the length of the muscles. All right. That's, that's where we do want to start. Then different people have different goals. Maybe there's the person who wants to reach the splits, there's the person who wants to reach um, a flexibility position with a lot of strength in it. It depends. Then that we should talk about each and every specific method, but it all starts from that. Mm -hmm. So what I do is starting from the basics, the, the simple things, the things that work because passive stretching uh, at the contrary of what a lot of people say, uh, like passive stretching is, is outdated, passive stretching is not working, passive stretching, yeah, like it's like, it, like if you don't understand that passive stretching is, is not about passive stretching, it's the way you're doing the exercise that makes you better, at, at flex, uh, like a, it make, makes you improve a range of motion or not, you're missing something because it's not about passive stretching, it's about what exercises are you doing? What kind of flexi other flexibility methods are you doing? Are you understanding kind of the intensity of a stretching position? It's not only about passive, you know, because a lot of people just train passively, which means just sustaining the position, but maybe not with the correct exercises, maybe not with the correct intensity, maybe not staying for that, staying there 
enough. So I start from here, the simple method. Then I blend it with the uh, modern, let's say modern methods of flexibility. So the methods that uh, after passive stretching have been showing a lot of results. So for mm -hmm. example, loaded stretching, stretching with the weight. How can you stretch with the weight? So you can take a weight, you can push your body further into a stretch, or you can take a weight and uh, you can uh, use it to increase the kind of a resistance you put in your muscles to push your body up or to sustain your body into a specific position. Mm. Or the PNF, how do you use the PNF? What are the main techniques you can use the PNF for? Like, I don't know, um, PNF, blending PNF with a load of stretching or just staying in the position and applying the PNF, which is the, what is the um, ideal uh, length of a PNF contract, muscle contraction? What's, what's the ideal intensity of a PNF contraction, etc. So I'm um, just like, uh, I, I really care also about that. Also active flexibility. How can we use active flexibility to improve our muscle uh, length? For example, there's a scientific research who says that if you contract the antagonist muscles of the muscles you're stretching during a flexibility position, the range of motion after you stop that contraction uh, immediately improves. So that is telling us that there's also one way to use an antagonist contraction. So for example, let's say you are stretching your hamstrings, all right, and you're pulling your leg towards your body. And uh, in that position there, you're stretching the hamstrings because you are creating hip flexion. Mm. If you contract your quads, which are the muscle, the opposite muscles of the hamstrings, just on the other side, during that stretching position, you're going to um, immediately release the tension a little bit. Of course, it's not about some magic, uh, like a magical trick. It's more about, yeah, um, a little bit less tension on your hamstrings. All right. And that's like a, a technique, which is not passive stretching with a specific technique you can use to improve your range of motion. Also about the dynamic stretching. How can you move your body to create more range of motion? So, all these things that start that are different from the simple passive stretching are the modern methods of flexibility or the modern methods of stretching. So the kind of new stretching methodologies, new exercises, mm -hmm. etc. But it's all, it's not only about the methods. It's it's also about the exercises. It's also about the uh, kind of uh, uh, the drills. The strategies we do want to use to achieve a certain stretching position it all depends on the goal but uh, uh, let's say out of a hundred people who maybe write me uh, yeah you want to increase my flexibility 70 percent of them want to learn the splits all right mm -hmm. and so in splits training what are the traditional methods the traditional methods uh, are just like for example one of the traditional methods is just go in there, widening the, the legs apart and trying to push the hips over the floor. That's what you see people doing like in commercial gyms or in, a, I don't know, martial arts gym, in different contexts where there is a simple solution to a problem. I do want to learn the splits. I go into a split and I try to stay there. 
That's a simple solution, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you use only that solution, maybe the gifted person, the person who can do that, that just by genetics can reach the splits. But uh, what about the other people? They can't do that. Why? Because you're not using the correct methods to achieve that stretching position. You're using the basic methods, but the basic methods just lack in uh, drills, in uh, flexibility methods, etc. So maybe, just talking about the splits again, maybe you don't want to go only into a split. Maybe you do want to consider using other stretching exercises as well. I don't know, frog stretches, tailor poses, um, one leg frog stretches, uh, going into a split against the wall with your back against the floor mm -hmm. and your legs apart. So as you can see, uh, I just mentioned five exercises which are not directly a split, but can help you achieve the split. And that is not traditional because it's not what people usually do. It's more about, all right, we do want to start from an understanding, which a split is not just a split. It's about, yeah, hip abduction, for example, for the side split combined with the hip flexion, etc. So we do want to make sure that we have all these things in place and work with the specific exercises first and then put everything together and work on the split. And also about the methods, for example, in a split, should you remain in a split, just uh, touching the floor with your hands and trying to uh, get deeper into the split? Or should you use something else? I don't know. For example, I'm a big fan of the yoga blocks under the hips during a split mm -hmm. because you can relax your body into that position mm -hmm. and you can push your uh, hips further and further toward the floor. Or how you use the PNF in, in, in a split. Can you use a weight in a split? Uh, there's a book of Jujimufu. Um, he's an uh, Instagram guru. Yeah. Uh, full of, um, uh, legendary flexibility. He's called like that, I think. Uh, and he says, he says something really interesting. So it's more about like going into a split with a weight, holding a weight uh, in front of your chest just to put your body, just to push your body over the floor more that's an example i like i don't like the book too much but because there's a lot of information but I, I do think that um a lot of things just aren't that correct but uh that kind of uh, idea is really good because as you can say like are you feeling that you are uh, really strong but uh your hips can't go deeper can get deeper um, and can't get closer to the floor, then maybe use a weight and hold it in front of your chest just to push your hips closer to the floor. But that's the main, that's the main point, you know, like uh, when it comes to, like, uh, like um, I, I've talked about a lot of things uh, so far, but uh, the reality of things is that actually it all depends on the person also. Mm -hmm. So, Maybe one person just needs to uh, increase his passive range of motion through simple training. Like I know a guy, he's from uh, LA, and uh, he said to me, like, I can't, I can't go into a Van Damme split, but I can't do a split on the floor. Can you believe it? Like, it's, yeah. it, 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 like wow. how, how's that even possible? Why? Because if he goes into a Van Damme split. So he has his uh, feet on some chest and the force of gravity is pushing him down. 
and he's staying there with the strength of his muscles. He can push the hips down strongly. But uh, if he doesn't have that kind of uh, force of gravity pushing himself that low with his hips, and he has something under the calves and the legs, which is the floor, he can't find the same depth because there's nothing pushing him down that, that good. Mm -hmm. And I said, you should understand how to relax more your muscles into a split and how to relax those adductors, those hamstrings, those hips in a way that allows you to go into a split and hold that split there. And he tried. Mm -hmm. And after some training, some passive training, he, like, he, he improved his range of motion. But why? Because he was doing a thing and he needed another. But of course, it all depends on the goals. In this case, his goal, his goal was, yeah, I do want to do a side split on the floor, relaxed. And that's the way we kind of uh, did the thing. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned so many things and I mean, it goes to this point where, you know, I've talked to so many people as well. It's just like everything is, but I think especially for flexibility, for whatever reason, it's very, it's very personal and it's very like you have to really take a considered individual approach from person to person. Cause like, say for that, that guy that you just mentioned that that's a very like unique example, but everyone seems to always respond quite differently sometimes to, um, to, to different methods. And one, uh, area that I wanted you to just, um, give a bit more detail on is, is about the passive stretching method and, and relaxing into the stretch, like say, and, you know, we can keep on continuing on with the middle, um, splits as an example, like what, what would be your instructional protocol to induce like relaxation into that position? Like, what would you be cueing? Would it just be like, you know, just um, holding it in a certain way and breathing in a certain way for a certain amount of time? Yeah. What have you found uh, the best sort of instruction to actually try and educate someone and their body to actually relax into the position? Yeah. So, uh, it really depends. First of all, we, we must say that it really depends on the position itself. So this is king, is the king rule, because every stretching position has a different technique and a different strategy you can use to improve your relaxation or your flexibility or your range of motion in that position. Now, if we talk about the side split, for example, what is the side split? There's a hip abduction with the hips which are going down toward the floor. And you do want to reach the floor with your hips, sliding out with your feet. Uh, depending on the person, we may have two possible scenarios. All right. First one, the person is really strong. His adductors or her adductors are really, really, really strong. And she can stay there with the strength of her legs, just leaving the hands. And like I know a friend of mine, if he goes into uh, a side split without his hands, he can go, get deeper compared to the same range, to the, to the same position with his hands on the floor. For me, for example, it's totally different. If I put my hands on the floor, I can get deeper into the position 
and I can touch the floor. If I don't touch the floor with my hands and I start on top and I slide through the sides, but I can't get into the position. Mm -hmm. Why? Because my legs are, aren't strong enough to support myself, my body in this iceberg position. And the reverse is true for my friend. His muscles are that strong that they can support his body weight, his body in the iceberg position, but they like they reach a point where they have no flexibility, all right, and they can't relax that. So if he puts his hands on the floor, they kind of push him mm. back because there's no pressure pushing the hips down. So it really depends on the structure of the joints and the strength of the muscles. If you, and now we have two possible scenarios, all right? A person who, like me, doesn't have the strength, all right? So he, he or she can't stay in a side spot with the uh, hands off the floor and get into the position and she feels like, uh, all right, this is so difficult, my legs aren't strong enough. And if she puts his hands on the floor, she gains range of motion, then that is the case where you should work on your strength, of course, because that's, that, that's um, for sure something really, really, really important. But uh, that kind of person has kind of a, um, a little advantage because the muscles are soft. It means that, yeah, you are not strong to stay in the position, but maybe you are soft to uh, widen your legs apart. And in this case, I suggest putting some uh, yoga blocks under the hips or under the knees, under the legs. Much like uh, if you wanted to sit down on something, all right? Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, like uh, I'm sitting on my chair now, and my hips, my abs, my body is relaxed. In a split, if you have nothing under your, your hips, you can't stay relaxed there because your muscles, if you put your hands on the floor or not, doesn't like a, it makes a little different, but you still always have something which is pushing your hips down. And if your muscles aren't strong and you are suffering these positions, you may feel like I can't get deeper because there's something that is pushing me down and my muscles won't, uh, don't want to say that, all right? Mm -hmm. So if you put something under, you can kind of sit in the position and your muscles will really feel relaxed. They can relax, they can lengthen, and they can gain a little more range of motion. The same is true for the people who can't stay in a split without their hands and that range of motion is actually better than the same um, positions of the size, but with the hands on the floor. In that case, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of muscle strength. Mm -hmm. And uh, the strategy I would use here is kind of the same, but maybe you still need some kind of uh, uh, additional pressure. So for these people, maybe I would suggest using always the yoga blocks under the hips, because in this way you can sit down and you can see how far you can go into the position in a seated, relaxed position. And you do want to feel that as you go that, for example, you do feel that your hips are really relaxed, are really relaxed on the blocks, are really uh, sitting on the blocks. Your reductors mm. are relaxing, are going into the position, and you can stay comfortable there. For the people who's more, uh, who's, who's stronger, all right, I suggest using maybe also weight. All right, just taking a weight in front of the chest 
or anywhere else or a partner just pushes the hips down to create that additional pressure with the, that those kind of people may need to feel the stretch better all right does it make sense yeah yeah it does make sense because um we've got good examples here like you just mentioned i think you're one person who can really relax into it if you put your hands on the floor i'm an example where yeah if i'm more just like uh, my hands are off the floor and um, uh, I can I can slide out or I feel like I can slide out uh, further versus, yeah, if I put my hands on a chair in front of me or whatever, then I kind of get I kind of get stuck, you know, but I've never yeah. I've never I've never tried the um, yeah holding like a, a weight and then um, and then just a trying to relax in that position. Yeah, I'm always like, OK, just like remain active, remain active and um, like that 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 seems to to work for me so you know in, in that sort of case uh for for a weight recommendation and like amount of time to be holding it to relax into the stretch what would you recommend to to start all right so uh in terms of uh, uh weight it's uh, the thing i always say is this doesn't matter the weight what matters is the intensity of the stretch so you must feel that you can stay in the position in a comfortable way, all right? And uh, you must find a way that is really pushing your hips down. You feel that, all right, my hips are getting lower and lower. You can start, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, five kilos, 10 pounds or something like that. See what happens. Then seven, eight, nine, 10, uh, and up until 20 also maybe, all right? Mm -hmm. Just feel how it feels to stay there. Something even better is a partner who can push your shoulders down or your hips down and force you into the side position. And, it, and he or she can also keep you on track with the correct technique because if you push your hips too much in front or too much back, he can keep your hips where they have to be mm. during this position. And uh, for the amount of time, uh, here, there's a lot to say because, yeah, maybe you do want to stay passive, but uh, what if you uh, wanted to do some PNF contractions? What if you wanted to do some antagonist contractions? That is the ultimate solution to mixing the flexibility methods. So, yeah, the base, the basic is a, is a passive stretch. So you do want to stay there. You do want to relax there. You don't want to stay in a passive stretch. That's the basic. Mm -hmm. But what if you, when you are there, applied a PNF contraction? That would be an excellent idea. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you are passive, you're using a weight, so you're combining passive stretching, loaded stretching, and PNF stretching. Then, as you are in a split, why not you squeeze your antagonist muscles a, a bit as you stay there? Because this relaxes the opposite muscles. And so you're combining also the active flexibility. So as you can say, we're, we're using five different flexibility methods into one single exercise. And that's why, why um, I'm a huge fan of the traditional flexibility and the modern flexibility. So for example, mm -hmm. if you wanna um, make a, uh, some PNF contractions, I would suggest you start with maybe a couple, all right? Uh, for the PNF contractions for the lower body, since the lower body is really strong and big, you don't want to stay below 10 seconds. So maybe 10 to 20 seconds is a range that work 
really that walks are really good so you'd be like um contracting in the position for 10 seconds and then relaxing for 20 seconds is is that what you mean or it's more i um i think about it more like in terms of uh, of breaths and i also say that in my books i uh, during the passive phases i never count seconds i count breaths okay so it's more like i stay there kind of kind of uh, uh, eight to ten breaths in the passive position then i start pushing against the floor with my feet and mm-hmm. that's the pnf contraction i want to stay there 10 to 20 seconds for example then as I stop, I do also want to contract my antagonist muscle. So I do want to do an antagonist contraction mm-hmm. as if I wanted to lift my feet off the floor. And do you want to stay there, for example, another 10 to 20 seconds? Then I stop. I inhale, relax everything, exhale, get deeper, another 8 to 10 breaths. During the 8 to 10 breaths, I do want to maintain a slightly contract glutes and quads. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of, a, as I said, antagonist contraction but it's it, it's not maximal you know it's more like something that i do just to maintain my body in the position better all right and then i go again pnf antagonist mm-hmm. and then i finish i always want to finish with some passive breaths in, in the position so as i finish passive breaths eight to ten and i exit and i do I- and i repeat that a couple of sets yeah. How come you choose to use um, yeah, the breaths as a method of counting versus like a, a, a second or timer? Yeah. Um, so because people usually just hold their breath. Just, mm-hmm. it, it's something that you do uh, without thinking about it. But uh, also when, when you do something difficult, when you do something extreme, you kind of suck, like stuck your tummy in, hold your abs, Hold mm. your breath. Uh, when it comes to flexibility, a uh, very important part of it, not the only part, but a very important part is just relaxing your muscles, relaxing your body in some exercises. Of course, in some other exercises, I don't know. The Van Damme split, for example, where you have your, your feet on the chest, etc. That's that, that, that's huge. There's a lot of muscle contraction going on there. Mm. So maybe you want to hold your breath and you do want to squeeze your muscles. But... In a passive, in a passive split, uh, in a pancake stretch, all these positions, maybe you don't want to hold your breath. You do want to breathe regularly. All right. Um, and if you think about, yeah, I do want to stay here eight breaths. If you don't want to die, because like you know, like I, I gotta count my breaths. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be having a nice and controlled breathing pattern i would suggest using like a, a two to three seconds inhale and two three two to four seconds exhale it depends on the um, on the intensity of the flexibility positions the hardest the exercise maybe the uh, quickest the um inhale and exhale part and vice versa so when you are more relaxed you can breathe uh, with a, a longer inhale and a longer exhale phase but uh, maybe when you are in a really, really, really difficult position, maybe those phases must be a little mm. quicker, a little shorter. But that's that, that comes natural. Uh, I really do think that counting the breaths is good. But there's also kind of a, a, a parallelism between the breaths and the seconds. So one breath. Uh, always equals to five seconds. So 
eight breaths equals to 30, 40 seconds, maybe a minute, all right? So you got that range of motion. Of course, you can also use a, a stopwatch or something like that, a timer. Uh, if you are used to use the seconds rather than the breaths, so just like a, when I give like a, a ranges, I say, all right, eight to 10 breaths, which is 40 to 60 seconds. So if you want to use seconds, use seconds, but don't forget to breathe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like it. It's a nice and simple solution. And, um, you know, you, you are right, especially sometimes when you're in this position um, where you're not feeling safe as well. You just want to like, you know, just tense everything up and um, that, that, makes you feel safe but that that can work opposite to opening up that that range which is um so important um i want to to touch you know still continuing on this example of say like when you um you know you contract with a pnf contract contraction you know either on the lengthening side or the shortening side and then you relax um and one thing that sometimes i, I struggle with especially in the side split is getting like the um the floor surface correct so that like my feet can actually like slide open wider so i was wondering yeah if you have any sort of thoughts on this as well because i know like some people they seem to be able to do it quite like quite uh, easily just like on a really grippy floor or if it's like really slidey um then they do better and or you might use socks but for me what i found is like if you have like a with my one of my feet is actually like feeling stable and then the other foot like uh is more slidey then that that feels right to me but if both feet are, are slidey then i feel like not as um I, I'm, I'm not able to like relax uh, as as well into the position so yeah this, it, it's um i'm interested a little bit and especially like in the side split because you're kind of in this awkward position and you want to be um able to like push the range further but then your your feet might get stuck sometimes um and you know what what's your sort of uh thoughts recommendations there for for people how they should approach it oh yeah so it really depends on the way you're doing the size but as i said there are two ways you can actively stay in the position with and with nothing under your your hips and you try to slide down until you can and go deep 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 into the position with nothing under your 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 mm -hmm. hips so you're you're staying there with all the strength of your legs all right or you can use some yoga blocks you can use something under your hands you can put put your hands on the floor all right uh, under your hips sorry you can put your hands on the floor etc to relax better in the position so we have these two main ways now if you want to do the first, so just sliding into the position with nothing under your hips, it's better to have something uh, a little grippy, a little, a little grippy, not too much, but a little grippy. Because when you, when you find your best range of motion, you do want to make sure you can stay there, you know, and your, mm. your feet have to push against the floor and stay there. With, with the strength you got to put in there mm -hmm. vice versa if you want to stay passive relaxed you do want to have a slippery floor really 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 slippery floor mm. like if you wanted to just do slide and i strongly suggest using like a, i got a, a slippery floor here so if i wear some socks 
my feet just can't go into the position. It's not a, it's not a limit, you know? Otherwise, if you don't have a slippery floor, just invest in some sliders, just invest. It's a, it's a big word because it's really cheap. It comes really cheap. Uh, just to slide out with your feet. But it really depends on the methodology you're using. And I always suggest mixing both. So when you are staying there with nothing under your hips, make sure that the, the, the floor is a little grippy. So when mm-hmm. you reach the max range, you slide at first, you slide. Then as you find your best range of motion, it's kind of, it allows you to, to grip a little bit. All right. But if you want to, do, to stay there passively, then use something uh, which makes you slide into the position without any kind of limit. Mm-hmm. You do want to have your, your feet really, really, really light against the wall. And you do want to allow your feet to slide out because that's the, pr- the, the, the key factor that mm. will bring your hips down. A lot of people just stay with the hips, with the feet in the same position. They try to push the hips down. It's more about also something that uh, uh, one of the um, very good guys I met through my journey, Yuri Marmerstein, he told me something like, uh, yeah, as I am in the position, I'm thinking about bringing my feet apart. Like, mm. uh, like pulling one foot away from the other. And that's creating the space, the space inside the hip joint. So you're sliding, sliding into the split and your feet sliding against the floor is a key element for the relaxation effect and for achieving the uh, complete side split. But if you're trying to say that with the strength of your muscles, of course, you do want to make sure that a little bit your, your, your feet can grab, can, yeah, you know, grab and grip <laughs> against the floor. And talking about feet a bit more as well, you know, there's, um, uh, uh, what, what about in terms of the, uh, how, how far your foot angle should be turned out, you know, whether it's like completely facing forwards or like 45 degrees out all the way up to, you know, like I see people also uh, yourself as well. Like sometimes um, do it where you like the heel is on the ground and it's uh, the, the toe is facing up when you're, I guess, more relaxed on, on the floor. So yeah. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on foot position and when and how you should um, adapt or play around with that? Yeah, so uh, foot position, I, I also made a video about that on my YouTube channel. Uh, so it depends because uh, when you turn your foot up, when you turn your feet up, you externally rotate your leg. And that's the ideal position you do want to use because external rotation of the leg creates more space inside the hip joint mm. and allows the femur to pass and to slide through the hip better. Feet pointing forward, vice versa, is internal rotation. This puts a little bit less pressure on your pubofemoral ligaments, so the ligaments in the front part of your hips. Mm. But the internal rotation doesn't allow your body to stay that comfortable and that good in the stretching position, all right? So it's more about uh, what you feel is best for your hips. This is really important. So, for example, uh, if you feel that internal rotating feels nicer on your hips, it means that maybe your pubofemoral ligaments are really stiff and you do want to use that activation. Vice versa, if you feel like uh, you external rotating, you are more comfortable in the position, 
maybe that's a correct position for you because of course by creating external rotation you are creating also more uh, space mm. inside the hip joint and more space for the femur to pass all right mm. would, would you say that um it's important to play around and then try and like say if you find that one comes more naturally to you versus the other to still train the other stance do you do you think that's important or just to go with the one that's you know if if you're more internally rotation biased you know just just use the one that seems to be giving you access makes sense so uh people usually start with a 45 degree angle which means that they don't internally rotate completely so they don't touch the floor with the with the feet pointing forward exactly forward and they don't use also the feet pointing up variation because externally rotating the feet is that far maybe sometimes it's kind of uh, uh, hard to do so this kind of distinction is true when you are really close to the floor in a side split hmm. when you start your journey probably you will be having your feet turned 45 degrees which means not in front of you not completely in front of you not completely up that's good because it's uh, kind of a, yeah, you know, it's kind of a good um, compromise between the two positions. All right. So you're not internally rotating fully. You're not externally rotating fully. You're keeping your, uh, your feet 45 degrees. And that's allowing you and your femurs to stay in the correct position. Also, very, very important note here uh, must be said about how you slide against the floor so you don't wanna uh point your heels too much against the floor against the floor you do want to make sure that your heel just stay with the ankle also against the floor and that is uh, allowing you to slide better mm. through the um, into the side spread all right but uh yeah feet 45 degrees is a good place to start then as you get more advanced you can play with it. like advanced i mean where when you are, I don't know, 20 centimeters away from the floor, then you can think about, all right, uh, I do want to try with the external rotation. And I do want to try with the internal. And something I always say is that you don't have to choose. You have to do both because both can bring you some benefits. The internal mm -hmm. rotation comes off uh, uh, adductors flexibility because you stretch more the adductors and the external rotation in terms of uh, uh, all the other kind of components about the split and also because it creates more external rotation on the on the hip so it stretches all the internal rotators the hamstrings as well etc so it's good also as a position for your hip and to create a, a little larger space inside your hip joint mm. so that kind of experimentation phase begins when you have been training for the splits for some time and maybe you are really not not that close but a little close to the wall to the to the floor with your hips when you start 45 degrees is good yeah that's fair that's um yeah really nice explanation i really appreciate that and um you know with this i mean i'm thinking you know let's keep on getting deeper with the with the middle split because you know 70 percent of the people always ask about that i mean it is one of those positions right it's the same as me when i first saw um, john claude van damme do it as well you know you're always like 
yeah that that that's something and um uh, i i guess you know one other interesting um or very critical component is like the pelvis and the, the pelvis motion you know you mentioned as well like the um how it goes into anterior tilt could you ex um, explain a little bit more about um uh, how the pelvic motion needs to um what needs to happen as you as you abduct more and more and as you sink lower and then maybe also talk about uh like this thing of like um with hip flexion like how much you might need to push your hips back as well versus like i know some people that have a totally flat you know inline side split which is like pretty crazy but um yeah maybe just in terms of uh like sequencing uh maybe some tips for people who, who might be listening um who might not be so aware about like uh the role of like um uh, pelvic tilt and like hip flexion to help you achieve the the side split mm -hmm. so uh hips position it's really it's really important when it comes to the side split uh, the the pelvis position allows our femurs to slide through the hip. If you close your hips, so you posterior tilt, you kind of uh, close the femur into a specific position where it can't slide anymore through the hip. All right, mm -hmm. so it can't slide. All right, it touches the acetabular rim, and it stops there. Mm -hmm. If you open the hips, you create the space for the hip to pass. And with opening the hips, I mean anterior pelvic tilting. So uh, arching the lower back, moving the hips into anterior tilt. That creates the space, the, the space for your femur to pass through the hip and to go into hip abduction, which is the movement our legs do during the size. But all right, so that's the main uh, idea you do want to have when you do the size but mm -hmm. uh a really important detail you must have here is this when you go into the size but 99 percent of the time you do want to have an anterior tilt the people you see doing the size but with a flat back are the people who are genetically gifted to do mm -hmm. that because anatomically speaking you can't go into a size but with the hips closed, the majority of us, mm. because there's no space. It's just impossible to go there with the hips. Um, of course, if you don't want to have some kind of uh, joint inflammation, etc., it's up to you. But I must say what's correct, you know. So mm -hmm. you must open the hips, arch the back to let your femurs pass into the position. So here, I don't believe in uh, experimenting with the two variations. There's only one variation possible, anterior pelvic tilt. The other one can be done by the people who feel that closing the hips in a size but is not a big deal because they can't do that. But because their hips allows them, their hips allow them to stay in that position mm -hmm. without any kind of problem. All right. Mm. That's the main idea. But uh, for the majority of people, also to the listeners also here, it's really rare to find a, a person who can close the hips and still have space inside the joint. So by default, go into anterior tilt. Mm. And do you have any sort of like um, maybe favorite ways or, or tools to help people understand that? that that pelvic motion as well because maybe sometimes you know when you're in the split and you're 
you're trying to widen your legs, right? You might be uh, feeling like nothing is happening with all the, like your pelvis is locked or like there's too much to think about, you know, do you, do you sort of like, like to cure in that position or do you like, um, do you take any sort of other approach for them to understand like what it is to actually like posterior and anteriorly tilt the hips? So uh, it really depends on the flexibility person of the level. So uh, the, the flexibility level of the person. Uh, so at first, we do want to make sure that the person knows how, what, what does it mean to anterior and what does it mean to uh, posterior, all right? If he or she has that knowledge, then we do want to start from a, sta from a starting position with an anterior. Maybe putting some hands, putting the putting the hands on a chair or some kind of different sports, and from that with the hips in anterior tilt, mm -hmm. want to maintain that anterior tilt from a standing position, and we want to widen the legs, and we do want to see how far the person can go into the strides. Mm. All right, if he or she loses the activation, that's it. But we do want to measure how far he can maintain or he or she can maintain that flexibility position. And then from there, he can get, he or she can get deeper, maybe with a slightly, slightly more flat uh, lower back, um, lower middle back, etc. But the main idea is that we do want to keep the anterior tilt as much as possible. Hmm. With time, we do want to increase that activation more and more and more. All right, and get into the uh, side spread position with the correct anterior pelvic tilt position. But that's something that uh, you, you shouldn't overcomplicate. You know, so uh, yeah. it's like it, it, it's like the uh, pancake, for example. A pancake is, is that position where if people have a rounded back, they think like, "All right, I'm I'm just messing it up. I'm just like um, I, I'm not doing it correctly." It's not like that. It's a process. So if, even though you may be doing the pancake with a rounded back, this means that you are on the path to achieving the flat pancake. And the same is for the side split. So the side split has to be done with the, uh, has to be done with the hips in anterior tilt. If you can't anterior tilt yet, there's not a problem. Like uh, start from a um, standing position with the correct hips activation, with the correct uh, anterior tilt. And then from there, you do want to slide down. You do want to slide down and open the hips. That's the main idea you do want to have. Mm. Yeah, that's a nice, simple explanation to do it. You know, it's just part of the the process of, you know, gaining more range uh, in the pelvis as well uh, when you need it, right? So, um, uh, how about you know for um, in terms of uh, stances where you might be more bent leg uh versus like just like more straight leg for the middle split like let's say for example like the, the famous horse stance or even you mentioned before like frog stances where um your your knee is bent you know, basically and and uh how you sort of view that um and in what case like is it a useful strategy to adopt more that sort of stance versus a more like I'm just uh, keeping my legs uh, completely straight um, and it might be in the middle split or, you know, some other sort of uh, straight leg drill. So uh, as I said before, I think it's not about one or the other. It's about both. I, I think that 
mix them both into the say in a program all right is the best idea you can have all right so mixing the whole stance with the frog stretch with stretches with the straight legs is the best idea you can have because you're going to be working on different aspects of your side split flexibility all right and when you put everything together your side split will be much better all right so whole stance great exercise done with the weight and with the knees well pulled apart and the hips in line with the knees frog stretch against the wall with the some weights i got a, a tutorial on how to do that because i don't like the frog stretch on the floor with the belly looking mm. at the floor i do like the frog stretch with the back on the floor with the weights on the knees and going down from there ah, okay that's that's a really good uh, mm -hmm. exercise as well also the uh, kind of progressions for the size with the, the chest to the wall split the side split with the back uh, against the floor and with some weights on the feet just to widen the legs apart also, that is a good exercise for uh, achieving the size, but then also the size for itself. Now, when you bend your legs, you focus a little more on your adductors. When you straighten your legs, there's a muscle called the gracilis with, which enters into the stretch. So when you make, uh, when you do, when you perform straight leg stretches, you kind of uh, stretch the whole adductors uh, complex, including the gracilis. When you bend the legs, you like kind of remove, you don't really remove the gracilis uh, from the stretch, but uh, you focus the stretch a little more on the adductors. So that's the main idea you, you, have, you do want to have when you make the uh, bent leg variation versus mm. the straight leg variation. But I always been using both to uh, achieve the size, but and uh, also when I make a program for one of my students, I always put straight leg stretches, bent leg stretches into the program. Okay, nice. And how about um, uh, in terms of like training rotation, you know, they say external hip external or hip internal rotation, you know, say like a 90-90 stretches, those sort of things. Um, and, well, you know, do, do you, what's your view with that, with um, helping it contribute in, in like uh, helping you like abduct the, the hips more, you know, is it... Um, a crucial part of, of the of the training for that that will help you into like the journey of the middle splits mm. so my opinion yes because we don't have to think about the internal or the external rotation as something like uh, yeah that that's internal that's external and i just want to improve that range of motion of course yeah we, we can do that but uh, why why does like a internal or external rotation help improving the size but because both the internal and the external rotation especially the internal creates more space inside the hip joint for the glutes flexibility for the hip stabilizers of flexibility they create more space they create a softer structure to move all right so a 1990 stretch, uh, an exercise for the external rotation, a tailor pose, uh, which is the exercise with your back against the wall, your feet in front of your, of your glutes, and you push your knees down. Uh, all these exercises just work on the external or the internal rotation. But it's not only about the range. Of course, the range is how you measure if you've been making progress. But at the end of the day, the most important,
important thing is that you are creating more space inside the hip joint for your femur to pass through the side spread, to go into the side spread, all right? Mm-hmm. That's the main idea. You do want to create a soft, uh, softer, a nicer uh, structure for your femur to pass. And you can do that thanks to the internal or external rotation flexibility you gain. Okay. Yeah, that's a nice way uh, of, of answering it, you know, and I, I guess just in general hip mobility as well, if, if you create more space within that, that joint and more capability, exactly. you know, it's just gonna, it's just gonna feel better. Right. Even exactly. if, it's, if it's just a subjective thing, which will give you then, uh, I guess, more permission in your mind to, to open up. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the main idea. Not only for the size, but it's true for, but in my programs, every program starts with an internal or external rotation drill, depending mm-hmm. on the person. But I always put some kind of exercise for the internal or external because they're so important for the hips flexibility in general. Mm. Okay. So talking about like a general program structure, then how you, uh, you just mentioned it, you like to start off with, with that sort of thing. Like say if it was like a, a middle split focus session, like generally, um, how how would that how would that look like if you if you do have you know sort of like high level approach of what uh, what you recommend to people? Um, so it really depends. Uh, you know, here it really depends on the person. I do think that I don't have a, like a uh, a really fixed structure. Yeah, you know, internal and external rotation structures. Yes, but then it entirely depends on the person. I don't have such like a copy and paste uh, program. For the people who ask me specific mm. programs, because I do, I do want to say how they're doing, how they're doing the drills, how they're doing the exercises, how they're doing with the hips and legs flexibility before I choose the exercise to put in the program. Uh, because, yeah, I do think that it's important to understand what we do want to work on. But generally speaking, like uh, for, for the size, for example, no less than five exercises per day including the internal and external rotation, three or four uh, accessory exercises, which focus maybe on a, a, a specific range, a specific movement we do want to do, and then a couple of exercises for the size, but directly for the size. But that's mm-hmm. maybe the general idea. If I, if I needed to give you like a general idea of an approach I would follow, would be like that. Yeah, do, would you normally do um, that, that main like say the direct side split uh, at the start or at the end of all these other at ones? Yeah, the so- always at the end, always at the end. Because mm-hmm. after you do want to do that also in my training, in my career, in my journey, I've always been doing this side split after all my stretches because I'm opened up, mm-hmm. I'm flexible, I'm prepared for the position, I'm prepared for the range of motion. So it makes much more sense to go into the position there rather than before. Yeah, this is what I found really interesting because, you know, on the flip side, say like in in traditional strength training or calisthenics, right? Normally like your A or your B series is like your your main movement, right? And then the accessories yeah, yeah, come later. Yeah. So in flexibility, it's the complete opposite. Yeah, because you do want to prepare the body for the best stretch. You know, mm. the, the more the more open you are, the better you can go into the stretch, the better you can perform that range of motion. So the accessory exercises helps you prime your body for the main exercise mm. that's mm. the main idea i do have when it comes to flexibility training 
So, um, yeah, I just I just wanted to touch on, on this other um, area, which was uh, uh, just thinking as you advance and go deeper into flexibility training from like beginner to intermediate to advanced, like what, how, how does flexibility training, you know, change as, as you get more advanced? What, what do you, what should you be considering more or, you know, maybe what, what have your realizations been as, um, uh, as you've, gotten more from like from intermediate to advanced like what have you noticed changes the most um so to be honest until you can't reach this uh, the, the splits etc the training just remains kind of a uh, standard you just change the drills which means i want to change this exercise for this other one because this feels nicer and it's harder the same for every other stretching position, all right? Mm-hmm. But another kind of a, a, a thought is when you uh, actually achieve the position. When you achieve the position, then it's different. Because when you achieve the position, maybe it's time to walk about, to think about, yeah, I do want to, as I said um, at the beginning of the interview, uh, when you do achieve the position, maybe you want to think about, I do want to achieve this position here actively. So controlling my range of motion without the force of gravity, which is pushing me down. Or I do want to walk on my strength and go there with the strength of my muscles, all right, to support myself into the position. Let's uh, like, uh, for an example of that, just take the Van Damme split as an example. Mm-hmm. I have my feet on some supports and nothing under my hips. So I just have to rely on my muscle strength. So these are the uh, things that uh, kind of uh, come after you achieve the main goals you have. In, in this example, we're talking about the split. But in the entire, like, uh, I do think that flexibility training done separately uh, uh, has always you have something to um, to like has something has always to have a goal right uh, like uh yeah i do want to reach that i do want to reach for example when you start you do want to reach the splits as you make progress the majority of the of your training will be uh focused on the splits or on the bridge or on some shoulders flexibility exercises then once you reach those positions you do always want to make sure that you have something to work on after that mm. but a lot of people just focus on that and not on the most important thing which is am i work and am i am i having fun am i enjoying the process am i caring about what i'm doing because if you're not then you're not in the correct road you're you're not in the correct path it's more about am i enjoying the thing am i enjoying the training am i enjoying the um the progressions and and all the things i'm doing if the answer is yes you always find a way you always mm. find something something that fires you up. Well, Elia, I must say I've really enjoyed this conversation as well. You know, we um, it, it was great to hear your um, you know, where you've come from, how you've reached this point, and you know, uh, yeah, I think we had a, a pretty good in depth, uh, most in depth chat that I've had about about the side split, which <laughs> is really really um, 
great, you know, selfishly for me as, as well. So, yeah, I just want to thank you for, for joining. But, you know, for all the listeners there, um, in terms of what you have planned, like uh, other than your, like your online offerings, of course, is there anything upcoming, maybe like in person or workshops uh, that, uh, that you have uh, upcoming? Thank you so much. First of all, I, I've been really enjoying this interview. There's a chat. Uh, I love sharing information so with such beautiful and like-minded people like yourself. So I do really want to uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast regularly, so I'm a fan. So thank you. It's like a it's it, it, it's like a dream to be here. And uh, yeah, so regarding my uh, the content, uh, so guys, uh, I'm just spoiling you out the next two books. Uh, the first one being Beyond Hastings, which is gonna be covering the uh, all the things after you reach the Hastings position, so the price to Hastings and other shapes. And the other one will be um, Flexibility Freedom, which uh, is going to be an entire book to um, you can use to reach your flexibility freedom. So the flexibility of the whole body, not only about the splits, not only about the bridge, but for the whole body. And I'm going to be um, and I'm going to be showing the top five flexibility positions to achieve if you want to have that flexibility freedom. These are the two main projects I have uh, in my site in the future. These are my two visions mm -hmm. in terms of content, because I do love to write books and to produce online content. And of course, uh, I've been working with hundreds of students. I'm still working with hundreds of students from all around the world personally. So uh, feel free to have a chat, to connect whenever you want. Uh, yeah, for the in-person workshops, these are the best opportunities I have to share time with people, to also share knowledge, information, etc. And uh, I would love to come to Australia as well. So yeah. if you have a gym or an host which would love to make a seminar about the splits, about the handshins, about flexibility or handshins, I would love to come. Uh, so feel free to, to ask and we can set it up. Uh, I do it for passion, so it would be just a pleasure to be right there um yeah that, that's pretty pretty much everything like all my events are online right now uh, in italy we were making retreats and uh, i would love to yeah you know um travel the world if people is if someone is like around the world doesn't matter the city doesn't matter the country i would love to visit because I, yeah I, I love to visit I love to share information at first. So that's my priority. Then comes everything else. So, so if you have a gym, if you have a space, if you are, if you are interested in uh, hosting a, a seminar about the flexibility, about Hangstins, about the splits, whatever, feel free to, to hit me up and we'll, we're going to set it up in no time. Awesome, Elia. Well, yeah. Thanks so much. You know, your passion always really shines through from your videos, um, you know, right through to this conversation. All I can say is I'm really looking forward to the next TikTok takedown. Um, and otherwise, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I enjoyed connecting and, you know, I hope we stay in touch. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Till next time, till the next TikTok event. Bye.
Thanks to Elia for jumping onto the podcast. Hope you guys appreciated that one. And yeah, go check out his TikTok takedowns. They're hilarious to say the least. Uh, you can find it over on his on his Instagram. All right, guys. Well, thank you for sticking around and showing your support. Remember, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to share it around with a friend. And if you have any questions, feedback, or comments, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram. That's at Fayonp, at P-H-A-O-N-P, or on thepassivehang.com. All right, guys, that's it for today. I will see you in the next episode.